What's up? How's it going? Jeremy Rushing here alongside Dominic Jose Bisogno for another episode of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. Dominic, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. It's a little colder today. I'm wearing a hoodie inside, but uh, otherwise, it, what, it, what was it up in Duluth today? You know, I don't even think it was that, that different of temperature. I think it was just that there was like not a lick of sun the whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the 50s right now, which is is by no means horrible. But yeah, it was just one of those weird days where like maybe the wind and just the lack of sun. It's just yeah. I've been cold all day, so I'm <laughs> it's, good. Though. It's close, it was close to 80 in the cities. Was it really? Oh. So I think this is that time of year where the weather starts to kind of separate, right? Yeah. We're getting that colder air earlier. I mean, yeah. we still get it early, obviously, but, you know, Duluth, uh, it's, it's different up there. You guys are starting to. Yeah. It's it, almost it like I live weird. in a different state. Yeah, almost. Almost different almost. country. Almost. Uh, but uh, it was weird because we were like sitting there at dinner and it was like 615, 630, and it was already starting to get dark. Oh yeah. And my fiance made the comment like, Oh, it's already getting dark. Well, like give it a couple weeks after daylight savings and it'll be pitch yeah. black at this time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But such is the time of year. Uh, we're getting into the fall. There's a lot of good things about it. There's a ton of leaves in my front yard and backyard. This is my first fall as a homeowner uh, ah. that I'll have to deal with all that crap myself. I'm putting it off as long <laughs> as I possibly can, but uh there will be a day of reckoning coming sooner rather than later. I'm thinking it'll be like tomorrow. But anyways, uh, for now, I'm going to avoid that and talk some soccer with you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me as always, Dom. Appreciate it. Thank you to everybody listening. Episode 62 um, of the cast. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do. Let's you know when we drop a new episode. Um, not only do we have our weekly 10K episodes on this feed, we also have our post loons episodes on this feed. So if you're unable to tune into the post loons live stream after every Minnesota United match, the podcast is right there in the podcast feed. So make sure you subscribe. So you're notified whenever we drop a new episode of that along with a new episode of 10,000 pitches. You can also follow us on all socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at 10 K pitches and we are active no matter which social media platforms happen to be down on any particular days. <laughs> Uh, that's where you can find us. Uh, last week, really good interview with Minneapolis City co-founder Dan Hudeman about their um, entry into USL League Two, kind of what it means logistically for the club and kind of everything they have coming down the pipeline. So if you have not tuned into that interview, I highly recommend you do so. We went like an hour and seven minutes with Dan. Really good stuff. So go check that out. Um, this week, though, it's just you and I, Dom, because we have a lot to touch on, a lot to discuss. We'll be back with the interviews next week, hopefully. But let's get right into this. Let's dig in. And we are going to begin with Minnesota United this week. We don't talk Minnesota United much on this podcast. Uh, We try to focus on the other soccer happenings. But I feel like it would also be weird to ignore the loons and notable things that are happening with them, considering this is a podcast about Minnesota soccer. And they are Minnesota's lone pro soccer team at the moment. So uh, if there's something happening with the loons, we should probably talk about it. So let's get into that. Um, on the field, we're going to start there. Um, a one-point week for Minnesota United. Um, tough 3-1 loss at D.C. United, and then a nil-nil draw on the road over the weekend in Dallas. So, rough week when the Loons really, really needed to have a good one to solidify a playoff positioning. They're hanging by a thread right now. Vancouver's one point back uh, of that seventh-place spot, which the Loons hold, which is the final playoff spot 
with that expanded playoff system MLS has in play. But uh, things are looking a little sketchy right now, and the play on the field is not really giving us much to be uh, inspired or confident by. Yeah, and, and you know, unfortunately, I think the way that uh, that DC loss came in was a little rough. You know, you have penalties, you have uh, Junio Moreno, who's a Venezuelan player, uh, score his first goal ever for DC with the deflection. But you know, it's 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 the kind of loss that has a lot of salt in it. Um, yeah, it, it does. So you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if in the near future there can be there can be a bit of a reboot. Obviously, as we're going to talk about, there's there's a lot of roster discussion going on and and talk of adjustments or lack of adjustments. So interesting period. Yeah. And things don't get any easier. Not only do you play third place Colorado this weekend at home at Allianz, but you do that without your best playmaker, uh, presumably without your best playmaker, and Emmanuel Reynoso picks up a red card, questionable red card, late in the match against Dallas. Um, Minnesota United is appealing the red card. Uh, we, they did get confirmation that it wasn't going to be considered a frivolous red, which that's a very interesting word to use in an official capacity, frivolous. <laughs> but basically, if it were a frivolous red, he would miss two games instead of one. So at least right. got the confirmation that he's only going to miss one, but that's not the news we're really looking for. Uh, you know, obviously as, as Loons fans, we're looking for this, uh, this red card to get overturned completely and Reynoso able to play in that match against Colorado. So we will see what happens there, but presumably they will be without Ray for that one, along with the players they're missing for international duty. Robin Lud's not going to be there. Um, you're going to be missing uh, Roman Metnair for that match as well. Uh, Michael Boxall, all on international duty for their respective countries. Uh, Jukaraitala in that uh, in that mix as well. So you're already shorthanded. You lose your best playmaker. Um, really an uphill climb for the Loons. I mean, they need to scrap something out of that match against Colorado on Saturday. But personnel-wise, they are going to be strapped for sure. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, the international break games are always interesting in MLS because, you know, usually both sides will have at least a couple of pieces missing. I'm sure Colorado will be, you know, lacking some players they'd like to have, but the, the list from Minnesota is pretty steep. Uh, and, and for reasons that I don't think even the most astute of journalists can figure out, uh, Minnesota-Colorado is just always a weird game. Just mm -hmm. always is, every time, ever since we joined MLS. Uh, and unfortunately, Minnesota usually ends up on the bad side of that weirdness. Um, mm -hmm. Even even in years where Colorado has been one of the worst teams in the league, um, it's just it's sort of a strange bogey team, I guess, for well, us. It's, such, it's always such like a muddy game, too. Like, there's always at uh, least yes, one red card. Like, it's yep. just really scrappy. There's a lot of animosity between the two teams. So anytime you have that, really, I mean – the, yeah. the spot in the table you know really you can throw that out the window when you play right. that kind of match it's like the most informal rivalry match you know that yeah it is sure. never advertised as such but it, it there's so much more beef between those two teams than us in uh, kansas city i mean yeah it really should probably be what they start advertising but yeah i mean at, from day one uh i believe the we got like one of our first points against them, I think, on the road in 2017. And then we beat them at home, I think. But those two games were crazy. And then next year, I think, was like the Harrison Heath red card from the bench where it like he yep. spit on someone or something. Uh, you know, it, so it, it's just been it's been wild. It's been wild. Always, always weird goals, comebacks, etc. Um, so it's been an entertaining game, but definitely uh, one to be careful about because Colorado was quite good this year. 
They're, they mm-hmm. they did have a rough loss to Seattle recently, but other than that, they've been pretty consistent. And uh, yeah, may, maybe maybe that'll change things. Maybe it'll be different when we're playing a more confident Colorado. But um, yeah, it should be a weird matchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can always uh, count on weirdness for that yep. one for sure. It's Sunday, three p.m. kickoff. Um, I do want to address a, a couple things in regards to. Um, some things that have been said about the club in terms of, you know, personnel decisions and things like that. Um, so one of the biggest talking points obviously has been a lack of seeing DP striker Adrian Unu in the match. Um, he hasn't been the starting 11. He really hasn't gotten much, if any, time on the pitch in general over the last few weeks. Robin Lud has gotten the nod at, at striker. He's done an excellent job. Um, but the extra time radio guys, uh, for MLS who I think do an excellent job. There's like some weird, some weird rivalry. You talk about rivalries, the rivalry between Minnesota United fans and the extra time radio guys. I feel like there's, there's something there, uh, talk about animosity, but, uh, I I really like those guys. I listen to, you know, as many of their, many of their shows and podcasts as I can, they do excellent work. Um, obviously they touch on almost every team during their podcast and uh during their conversation about minnesota united um they had a, a lot to say about this lack of unu and credit to 55 one those guys on twitter uh for kind of transcribing this quote um, i took a listen to the podcast earlier today too to get kind of all the context in it but the quote says i'm genuinely surprised that we haven't gotten to see reynosto lud fragapane and then unu up top why do you get the guy if you're not going to give him a chance to work with your core group this weekend's performance and result really set off some alarm bells. Obviously, that's an understandable quote. I, I agree with a lot of that. But where I disagree and kind of, I'm not bothered by this quote at all, but kind of what, what really kind of made my eyes go wide is Robin Lud has been really good at striker for Minnesota United. And Ethan Finley, in turn, has been really good on the right wing for Minnesota United. Um, I'm, if I'm Adrian Heath or if I'm running this team, I do not want to sort of mess with that front four that had been working so well, um, up until this last week where, um, you know, it it was a rough week, but where I agree, I I disagree in the kind of the insinuation that Unu should be starting up top, but I do agree that we should be seeing a lot of him off the bench, especially in matches where goal scoring output is not you know, is not coming quick because Minnesota United has shown if they're not scoring within the first 10 or 15 minutes, it's an uphill climb. Um, and who a guy you could really use off the bench to kind of create some firepower, create some chances. If you don't get that early goal and get out on the front foot right off the bat, like Minnesota United has done a few times this season and been really successful in those matches where they do so. Yeah. You know, I, I think historically there's been a lot of discussion about um, the way this team and, and obviously the, the coaching staff specifically uh, and Adrian Heath um, use substitutions or don't use substitutions uh, in general. Um, I, I feel like that probably has a certain amount of relation to this conversation. But uh, yeah, look, when you have the last couple of games where it's been low scoring or lack of scoring in general, um, the obvious question would be why aren't we bringing on the value players on the bench to Mm -hmm. have an effect. Is there a reason? Is it that we just don't want to change who's on the pitch or is there a personnel reason that we don't want to bring them back on? In which case, why are they a DP? Uh, You know, and, and to be perfectly honest, those are conversations that have been around this team a lot for a lot of different people. 
but um, no, that, that, that's not any reason to not have them now still. Um, yeah. And yeah, they bring up good points, but I, I also get your point that a lot of the players that we are picking to start more often than not are doing quite well. So it's not necessarily yeah. worth stopping that, but mm-hmm. why aren't we maybe using the bench options that we have? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I don't want to necessarily get into a, a position where we're, you know, you know, thinking out loud about what the reasons are for why we're not seeing Adrian. Uh, right. um, so, but it is interesting to talk about and think about. And, um, you know, obviously something that I'm sure the the coaching staff and the front office of Minnesota United are, are, are thinking about themselves moving forward yeah. as they're fighting for their playoff lives right now with seven matches to go thereabouts. Um, so it'll be, it'll be an entertaining home stretch for better or worse, uh, for Minnesota United fans. That's for sure. Um, we're not going to make this whole podcast about Minnesota United. We promise. Uh, but we, there are a couple other loons talking points to get to aside from what's happening on the field. One of those will be happening in the field at Allianz field, uh, in August of 2022. I believe it's August. Um, anyways, the 2022 MLS all-star game just announced today in a press conference at Allianz field that had. I mean, they rolled the red carpet out. They had Commissioner Don Garber. They had uh, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry. They had St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter. Uh, they had everybody uh, locally and uh, you know involved in MLS there to make the announcement that Allianz will indeed be hosting the 2022 All Star Game. It's cool for the community. It's cool, uh, you know, for the stadium. It's cool for the club. Um, a lot of cool events leading up, you know, to the All Star Game during that week. The biggest question, though, Dominic, is who the hell will MLS be facing in this all-star game? Because they have gone so many different routes with this all-star game in the past. They have played premier league teams. They have played EFL championship teams. They have, they, they played a Liga Emekis all-star team this, this year. Uh, So there's a lot of, a lot of ways this could go, but I have a couple of, of ideas Dom on, on who, we could see the Major League Soccer All-Stars playing. Please share. Uh, my first one, my first one is the cast, the starting 11 for AFC Richmond, the cast, mm. like the actors, play them. Mm. Now, here's how you make it fair, though. You give them a two-goal, no, a three-goal lead. Oh. And you let them have two goalkeepers. Okay. So you play the cast of yeah. AFC Richmond. It's still 10 v 10 in terms of field players, but right. you give them a three goal lead and you give them two, two goalkeepers. Interesting. Thoughts. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like that's not the worst idea. You know, I mean, those guys seem like they're at least in decent shape, yeah. you know, and two goalkeepers, even if they're not professional, I mean, just the raw body mass will cover mm-hmm. a third of the available space in the net. So, yeah, you know, I think it'll definitely get people will go. I don't know what will happen go, on the pitch, people but people will go. The ratings, Dominic. We're not worried it's, about the you know the actual on field competition aspect. We're just trying to pop a rating on Fox. It's really all about the ratings here at the 10K Pitches Podcast. So, I, I I see where you're I see where you're going. I see where you're going. My thought is, you know, there's a lot of excellence in sport in in this state that could be placed against the best in MLS, albeit very few of them kick soccer balls. But I, I'm thinking, you know, we got a lot of good hockey programs. 
I mean, the last uh, 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 tournament, the last NCAA tournament, half the tournament was Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Get the all-stars of those teams. There you go. on there. Let's see what happens. Or the hair, have, Dom. I'm just picturing the hair. The hair. Can field. you imagine the amount of uncovered oh mullets gosh. on the field? Fantastic. I mean, unprecedented, really. Um, yeah. Or we could do like the only like positively achieving pro team in the entirety of the state, which would be the Lynx, you know, True. maybe it's an all-star basketball game. Maybe that's the twist. They think maybe it's, it's both. Maybe it's like a multi-sport competition. Yes. Or it's like, um, there's, I think, I think it's like, um, um, Gaelic football or something in Ireland. There's, mm-hmm. they play like a version of rugby, but you like, or it's like where you kick, you hold the ball, but then you you kick it to pass. You like punt it to each other. We'll figure it out. The point is, let's get the links on there because they win everything else. Mm-hmm. They'll probably win. It won't look great for MLS, but it'll look really good for Minnesota. The ratings from Minnesota will be really good. That's true. The ratings from Minnesota will be off the charts for sure. Awesome. I have one final local option here for you, Dom. Now this requires this requires multiple matches. So. Mm. You you take you take it's what we're recording this on Tuesday, 828 p.m. You take the best eleven people that are in the black heart in St. Paul mm. right now. Right. You put them against the best eleven of the people who angry commented on the Megan Rapino mural post mm. on Facebook. Interesting. You have them play a play-in match. And then the winner of that moves on to play the MLS All-Stars. Again, with the with the same rules, uh, you get multiple goalkeepers, three goal lead uh, okay. for, the, for the civilians. Okay. I like it. Let's keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. West Berdeen referees the play-in game. Oh, he won't. Oh, yeah, okay. He's the owner <laughs> of the bar. So that's, that's, I like that idea. He doesn't play, like though. He doesn't idea. play. But, he, he, but... He, won't, he, won't be, uh, he won't be unbiased, but at the same time, I think yeah. it would be entertaining. I'm just saying, you know, he gets a couple moments. He cuts to VAR. He blows a whistle for a penalty. There's some drama. Mm-hmm. It might get better ratings than the actual game, to be honest. True. Just have a camera it might on just him descend the into chaos. Yeah. Just have a West Cam the entire time. I mean, it sounds time. pretty good to me. Like, I'm not, I'm you know not how, saying... You know ahead, how, like, for, for Monday Night Football, they have, like, the multiple broadcast options with, you know, you have, like, the All-22 yeah. camera and, like, the other... Just have yep. like a, a separate feed on like FS2 or something with like the West Cam. And it's just a camera on him the entire time. Yes. Or maybe he wears a GoPro uh, on his head well, the, the entire la- game. The, and you just follow him around. Two all-star games ago, didn't they have the, the goalkeeper mic or whatever? Do yes. Yeah, let's keep this interesting. I mean, maybe don't give the angry commenters one just because that might become uh, not broadcastable. But give West Virginia <laughs> one. Give maybe one of the players on the other team one you know let's just see what they're thinking let's just see what they're thinking about the beautiful game perfect i'd watch it i'd pay extra for the extra the extra angles i know don garber listens to this podcast so don give us a call if you're interested in any of these ideas or if you want more we're chock full of them but we digress on this particular topic so 2022 mls all-star game coming to allianz field also happening at allianz field tonight if you're listening on friday when this podcast drops uh, the Mayor's Cup coming to Allianz Field for the first time. Um, it, if you don't know what the Mayor's Cup is, it's the rivalry between Como Park High School and Humboldt High School. 
Um, so the women's match is going to be taking place at 5.30 with the men's match to follow at 7.30. And this is free admission. So if you're sitting here Friday morning, Friday afternoon, wondering what you're going to do on a Friday night, you can go to Allianz, watch some really good high school soccer, two matches for free. It's a great, it's a great deal. That's a pretty great deal. And, and what, and, and, you know, just to reiterate, what a cool opportunity for these, these young oh, guys to play at a, obviously a, a really great stadium a professional stadium in general, but for a professional stadium, also a fantastic stadium. Um, mm play maybe in front of some people that normally wouldn't watch them um, and, and just have that, you know, just to have that whole experience and celebrate local soccer culture in, in, in a more uh, magnified way, you know, deserved or not, sometimes the criticism that it's leveled at various MLS teams is just that they don't always feel super connected to their communities in the ways that you would want them to be. So mm. this is a great way to not do that and, you know, remind everybody that this is a, an ecosystem that everyone's a part of. Um, and yeah, just keep people connected. And again, give these guys like a really awesome opportunity to play at a place they might otherwise never play at the level of. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be awesome. So that's happening Friday night. Um, like if you're listening, like I said, if you're listening before that, uh, you want to go check it out. It is free admission at Allianz as well. So really, really cool. All right. Uh, last Minnesota United topic, something I, I thought we should touch on uh, here. Um, that's obviously one of the biggest talking points for Minnesota United right now. Uh, it's getting some steam both locally and, uh, and nationwide. Um, the Dark Clouds and Red Loons supporters groups for the Loons are spearheading a boycott of home games due to the lack of COVID-19 vaccination or negative test requirements at Allianz Field. This has sort of been a progressive thing. They started with taking the, the, the capos off the stage. So no, no, you know, no leading up chants, no drums, no anything like that. Um, then they did a boycott of, of spending at Allianz Field. So no concessions, no merch, you know, they'll, they'll, they still went to the games, but they didn't you know, purchase anything after they got in. Um, and now they've taken it a step further um, because those, those first two, um, you know, steps, you know, the, the team and the stadium did not take the initiative to, um, put in a COVID-19 vaccination or negative test requirement. They are now boycotting the uh, home games completely until one is put in. Um, several of the smaller supporters groups under these dark clouds and red loose umbrellas have followed suit uh, as well. So um, obviously this is something that's, you know, Portland, uh, Seattle, among other teams have placed uh, COVID-19 vaccination requirements on attendance for their matches. So it's happening around the league. It's not happening in Minnesota. And some of these supporters are obviously not, not happy with about it and, and exercising their rights to, to conduct the boycott. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if, if that's what they feel needs to be done, then they should absolutely be, be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think it, as you already did, but I think it's worth, you know, noting that obviously this was a, a prog- series of progressions, um, it wasn't mm-hmm. an immediate cut to boycotting. They clearly uh, were hoping for something to happen through smaller mm-hmm. steps. And, uh, you know, yeah, look, obviously, n- neither of us are doctors. I don't want to get into the intricacies of policies because we're not the ones to know what what needs to be done. I also haven't been to a Minnesota United game since the pandemic, so I don't know what's going on at the stadium and what isn't. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, clearly they feel more needs to be done. Other MLS teams have been doing more. So, um, I you know, I just said that bit about community in regards to the mayor's cup and clearly in this quadrant it feels like that's not really happening 
uh, that community mm -hmm. connection or communication. So uh, clearly more conversations need to be happening between these supportive groups in the club about what uh, policy has put in place. Yep. And uh, we will see how this plays out moving forward and how this affects the, the atmosphere and, um, you know, how things look when Minnesota United yeah. returns to Allianz on Sunday, again, for that big match against Colorado uh, will be interesting to see for sure. All right. Now we're going to move on from Minnesota United talk. We know we went almost 25 minutes on that guys. So uh, we appreciate you bearing with us. If you are looking for other Minnesota soccer talk and we're going to kick that off as we always do uh, here with go for soccer. Um, still doing really, really well in the season. They're two and two in their last four. But most recently, just a dominant four to one win at home against Penn State. And they were ranked in the top 10 earlier in the season, Dom. So this is a quality Penn State side. Uh, they come into ELR and the Gophers just beat the brakes off of them. Four to one, really impressive stuff. Yeah, I mean, that scoreline in general is obviously very nice. But uh, when you consider that it came against such high level opposition, that doesn't happen too often. Uh, even at home, you know, I mean, it's just. Quality tends to quality teams when they lose tend to lose, you know, in tight situations. So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a really mm -hmm. nice result to you know continue that momentum we've been talking about um, all summer, all fall uh, about just how good this program seems to be and uh, the momentum they seem to be building. Absolutely. Um, shout outs to Patricia Ward. Actually, she earns top drawer soccer national team of the week honorable mention. Um, she racked up a goal and an assist in that win over the Nittany Lions. She also played a role in uh, one of the other goals as well. Um, so really, really good performance from her. Hannah Beisman, uh, if you haven't seen the highlight, we retweeted it uh, from NCAA Soccer. Really nice goal. Uh, loose ball, basically. She beat the keeper to it, was able to get in behind and, and tuck away the tap in. Uh, for I believe that was the third Minnesota goal uh, to put them up 3-0. So uh, really good job from her. And we shout her out every week, but she deserves it every week. Goalkeeper Megan Plachko, another really good performance. Four saves against Penn State, five earlier in the week against uh, Rutgers in a 2-1 to loss. If you haven't seen it, I think we've retweeted it on the 10K account, but if we haven't, uh, we will by the time that you see this on Friday. Uh, Gopher Soccer put out like a really cool highlight reel of Megan Plachko's performances and those saves that she's had. She's had some huge saves. I mean, we talked just a few weeks ago. She made like nine saves in a match or something like that. So she has had some excellent performances. And uh, the Gopher Soccer, you know, the marketing department put together a, uh, a really cool highlight reel. So go check that out. We will retweet it on our feed before this podcast drops. But um, just underlines, you know, the year she's having, but also the year the team's having. Yeah, and, you know, college goalkeeping can can be a, a mixed affair just because it's a position that I think the challenge level increases so drastically from division upward and then mm -hmm. to pro. So um, to, to see a, a goalkeeper, uh, a college goalkeeper thriving this much is really exciting and, and maybe show some promise for her long-term trajectory that she's, uh, that she's showing so well. Yeah, so there are five games left in the regular season. They go to Purdue over the weekend, um, or excuse me, late in the week, and then um, uh, are back home against Illinois. Um, you know, if you can get a couple wins, I mean, they're to me, yeah. So the NCAA released the women's top twenty-five uh, today, actually, and you know, Penn State's still in there. 
Uh, Wisconsin gets some votes, and we know how tight Minnesota played them. Um, so to me, we're not too far away. We're only a couple wins away from this Gophers team potentially being ranked. I think if they handle business at Purdue and at home, I mean, Purdue's a Purdue's ranked as well. So if you can go into West Lafayette, get a win over Purdue, and then handle your business at home against Illinois, I would fully expect this Gophers team to be ranked and just continue to build and pad that postseason resume. Because while they may not win the Big Ten, though their non-conference season and the wins that they've been able to rack up, uh, like this one against Penn State, I mean, that's huge when you're looking at getting into the tournament. For sure. And you have to imagine that, that that's, you know, like you said, the Big Ten title doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily uh, seem like it'll be easy to get. But uh, getting into the, the tournament, I'm sure, would be a, a big goal they feel is realistic. Um, but it would also be really sweet to actually get. So, yeah, like you said, a couple of results. They, they've been good enough. Yeah, they've been good enough that a couple results can very quickly move them up. So, um, and then they've and been good enough. Make that the tournament. They, yeah, to make the tournament in Coach Chastain's first season would be, I think, quite yeah. a quite a, a notch on the belt for her uh, in terms yeah. of just you know solidifying herself as the coach of the future for the Gophers. Um, for sure. because you know, your first season, you're getting your feet wet, you know, not all these, you know, a lot of these kids are not your recruits, not the ones you brought in. So a lot of times 90, 90 to 95% of the time, I would even say anytime there's a coaching change, that first season's a struggle, but right. it did help that the coaching change was not due to someone being fired for a poor performance. It was due to, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, moving on to another opportunity. Um, so the program was in a good spot when coach Chastain took over, obviously. And she's been able to really kind of implement her style, implement her play in a way that these players are obviously responding to and are thriving in. And that to me is just, I mean, it, it's really cool to see that play out. For sure. And, you know, we're, we're going to, we'll talk a little bit about how their attendance has been this year and in connection with how good their attendance has been, I think you see how, how easily, um, Coach Chastain has has merged into this team and built upon what was already really good there, and it just feels like a, a program that really has a culture developing around it, um, both within mm -hmm. the, the locker room and then obviously permeating to to the the supporters, so to say, in the school. Um, that's really exciting. That doesn't always happen in colleges, even good teams at colleges. It can be really hard to really get a full ecosystem developing around a team. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and certainly soccer historically in this country is a program that would suffer more from that. So the fact that they're doing it is, uh, is just, it's really exciting. Even if you, uh, go to like a different college in the state and you don't particularly like the U of M, you should be really excited about, uh, that existing in the same state as you. That's a promising thing just in general for the sport. Absolutely. It's awesome to see. And speaking of the attendance, more than 1,300 on hand as at Elizabeth Lyle Robbie Stadium on Sunday for that Penn State match. Obviously, they saw a good performance from the Gophers. Uh, Minnesota, now first in the Big Ten in total attendance and second in average attendance. So, I mean, we talked about nearly 2,000 on hand to see the match against Wisconsin. Um, 1,300 for Penn State. Uh, this just shows when when a team performs, men, women, college, pro, doesn't matter the level, the, this state and, and the people in it and the fan bases will show up and show out. 
This is a soccer state. I mean, that's the reason I started this podcast. I think Minnesota is is unique in the fact that we're not in California, Texas, Arizona, Florida, South Carolina, where you can play the game year-round outdoors, and it's a bigger thing. You know, we're up here in the in the cold north where, you know, we got to play indoors for seven months of the year. But yet, you get these sort of attendance numbers and interest in the team and, you know, hype around it. Like, there's, there is a real, real hype around this Gopher team and a lot of other things happening in Minnesota soccer right now that we will talk to, talk about, you know, as we continue on in the podcast. I, I know I'm kind of getting myself hyped up right now, but it's just <laughs> it's so cool to see that continue to play out because when I started this podcast in May of 2020, we were in the middle of a pandemic. We didn't know what was going to happen. No games were going on. Um, it was all hypothetical. It was all FIFA stuff. You know, it was all getting to know teams and leagues and players. But now you're seeing when they get back out on the field, this this the state and the people in it show up. And that's awesome. For sure. And to any, you know, I mean, I'm sure everyone that listens knows this, but to anyone that maybe just doesn't have a grasp on like what a number like 1300 or just a four digit number in general for attendance, um, thousand plus, you know, what that means. It's incredibly difficult to get that many people to show up yeah. to a well and any non-professional sport event certainly, but but to a soccer match, um, even at you know even if obviously like the U of M has more institutional um, presence in people's minds than like uh, an NPSL team, but mm-hmm. uh, go ask the other colleges in the state or or in other parts of the country if it's easy for them to get four-digit people to a soccer game. It's not. Yeah, it just isn't. Uh, even if the U of M is a larger college, it, it, it's so much more difficult than it might sound to you as a person that's used to hearing tens of thousands of people go to a pro game. Um, mm-hmm. So really impressive that they're they're staying up there in the attendance ratings and that they hit as high of a number as they have. And, and again, it's really encouraging, uh, certainly ahead of you know the growth of the women's day in, in the state with uh, USL, W League and all that. Uh, really encouraging to see consistent large crowds of people interested in watching women's soccer yeah supporting women's sports supporting women's soccer i mean it's, it's big um you know we've we've seen a, a lot of not great news come out in the realm of women's soccer over the last couple of weeks we won't you know touch on we won't you know discuss that obviously that's been talked about uh, a lot by more uh, educated minds than us um but um here in the state here in minnesota um you know, to see that support I mean, it, it's it's huge, and I'm sure it means a lot to Coach Chastain and the women who take the field. Um, I, I can't imagine what it means for those for those players to go out on the field and see a thousand plus in the stands every single time. Basically, they go out. It's awesome. All right, so you know what else is awesome, Dominic? Stimulus Athletic. They're pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I've Our heard they're awesome. Spot. Yes, yes. There's a, a cornucopia of awesomeness that uh, surrounds Stimulus Athletic. Yes, I use that word, cornucopia. I know big words. But anyways, uh, title sponsors here on 10,000 Pitches. Uh, really appreciate Jason and Stimulus supporting the show. We ask that you support them, not only because they support us, but because they help support uh, you know, local soccer, soccer clubs in the lower league scene, in the college scene, um, in the international scene uh, with quality game gear and apparel. Now, before we get to that, 
They had some big news drop this last week. Their new retail store is going to be opening up in December next to our friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. Ninth Street is at 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis. So I don't know if it's going to be 800 South Ninth Street or 802 South Ninth Street or 803 South Ninth Street. But right by Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee is going to be the new Stimulus Athletic retail store, which will have in it the new Minneapolis City Club Shop as well. A lot of good stuff happening with Stimulus and Minneapolis City. Um, go check out MPLSCitySC.com for all the details on that new club shop that'll be opening up within the new Stimulus Athletic Retail Store in December. Uh, but this will be your chance to go shop Stimulus Athletic. They don't just provide teams and clubs quality game gear and apparel. They develop a lot of really good athletic wear, sweatshirts, um, workout shirts, shorts, sweatpants, you know, you can wear it out. You can wear it to the gym. Uh, it's a lot of good, versatile clothing that Stimulus Athletic provides. Um, and you can go check that out at their new retail store opening up in December. They'll also have an online version over at StimulusAthletic.com. That'll be opening up in conjunction with that as well. So a lot of good stuff happening with Stimulus. We're proud to be a small part of it. Um, but if you are a club or a team looking for, I don't know, a new jersey provider, a new company to provide kind of everything you need for on and off the field stimulus stimulus athletics where you need to go uh, the anguilla national team has utilized stimulus the npsl runners up uh tulsa athletic use stimulus athletic obviously minneapolis city uses stimulus athletic um so quality teams and quality clubs trust stimulus athletic for their game gear and apparel you should too if you're looking for a switch up um, give them a chance to earn your business. Give them a chance to just chat with them. It's free to talk with them. It's free to open up that conversation. Go to stimulusathletic.com and click that Get Started button. And make sure when you fill out that little form that you just pop in there that Jeremy and Dom from 10,000. They are big supporters of us. So we want them to know that we're you know providing them the support as well. Uh, Dom, you're not wearing Stimulus Athletic this week like you were a couple weeks ago. But that's okay. I'll give you a pass. I'm very sorry about that. I am wearing uh, 10K pitches uh, merch, though, because I'm wearing the... Uh, you are wearing the Don't uh, Count Out the Loons Don't Count Out the Loons shirt, which uh, I wear quite often. It's a very nice shirt. So I, 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 I endorse it. I also own it, so I already endorse it with my money. But I endorse it now with my words on this podcast. There you go. Shout out uh, graphic designer extraordinaire and chief good vibes officer for 10K, Ethan Brant, for developing that particular piece of merchandise um it might be available again soon we have since sort of shut the store down temporarily because it does cost us money to operate you know run the store so uh you know in a cost-cutting measure we have uh you know shut the store down for a few months but if you're looking for a don't count out the loon shirt let us know hit us up on twitter uh you'll find us somewhere and let us know and if we get enough interest we will open that back up for you guys all right Moving on to our college spotlight. So if we are officially naming this segment now college spotlight, uh, because each week we're going to sort of spotlight a different club, a different team in both the men's and women's side of what's happening in like the D2 and D3 space here in Minnesota. Uh, so we're going to start with the Mayak. Um, St. Olaf men are on top of the table with a perfect 4-0 conference record. They're 9-1-1 overall. 22nd in the latest national D3 coaches poll, which actually just dropped today at the time of recording on Tuesday. Um, Gustavus Adolphus is ranked 18th nationally, sits third in the conference at three and one. Augsburg, unranked somehow, 
Uh, they didn't even get any votes in the latest uh, nationwide poll, despite being tied for the conference lead and having a nine and one overall record. Uh, I don't know. That's that's BS to me. But anyways, yeah. uh, back to St. Olaf. Hakeem Morgan is leading the charge for them. He is having an incredible season. Seven goals and six assists in 11 matches. And the way points work, at least in, in the D3 spaces, you get two points for a goal and one for an assist. So that means he has, quick math, 20 points in 13 matches on the year. That's tied for the conference lead. So incredible, incredible year for him so far. Also shout out Casey McCloskey. He has seven goals also on the year for uh, St. Olaf. So a lot of good individual performances and obviously they're uh, keeping pace at the top of the table with Augsburg uh, and Gustavus right at the, right on their heels. Yeah. And again, the, the, that entire conference has been pretty uh, competitive. I mean, obviously there are teams mm -hmm. doing much better than others, but at the same time, it's, it's not incredibly top heavy. It's quite a few teams that are only like one win behind the top two. Um, mm -hmm. So with that in mind, for those two guys and, of course, the, the entire team to be doing as well as they are individually is, is really impressive. They're not doing that against really easy opposition. They're doing it against a lot of other teams that are statistically almost as good as them. Um, yeah. So that's, that's extra impressive. Yeah, for sure. And a couple road matches on the horizon for St. Olaf. They are at St. John's on Sunday at 4 p.m., then back on the road against St. Mary's on Wednesday the 13th at 7 p.m. Um, so just look up St. Olaf Soccer if you want to learn more about what's going on with them. Um, going to move over to the women's side, though, in the UMAC. UNW St. Paul. This is uh, this is interesting. They're tied for the conference lead with UW-Superior right now, actually. Uh, UWS was sort of the, the odds-on favorite to sort of run away with the conference crown, but UNW St. Paul staying right there. They actually had an 0-4 non-conference start. Um, and the Eagles have since stormed out to a five and O conference record to be, you know, tied for first there. Now, the biggest reason for that turnaround has been the goal scoring output. They only imagine they only managed one goal in their first three matches. They routed off a six, one win at North central Minnesota after that to sort of get off the schneid. And they have scored at least two goals in all five of their conference wins. So they're finally getting goal scoring output as well. Um, shout outs to Megan Moeller. She has nine goals in nine matches. Um, that to me, I mean, you see nine goals in nine matches. You're thinking she's got to be the conference leader, but, uh, Nia Wilson for UWS has tallied an incredible 13 goals in 10 matches. Uh, that's just wild to me. So she obviously has a conference lead, but Megan Moeller right there behind her with nine. Um, and then goalkeeper Ellie Fryer, really, really rough start to the year. Uh, but She's only allowed two goals in their last four matches. So not only not only are they scoring more, but they are um, keeping more clean sheets. They are keeping teams off the board, and that has been a a huge reason why they are uh, they are tied for the you know at the top of the table there. And despite such a rough start uh, in terms of giving up goals, uh, Friars' last four or five performances have actually gotten her up to third in the conference in goals against average. Uh, so really, really well earned, um, you know, ascension up that ladder, if you will, uh, for her, but also obviously UNW St. Paul turning around what was a, a pretty lackluster start to the season, to say the least. Yeah. And look, this is what you want to see. Um, 
for better or for worse, uh, the UMAC, both for men's and women's, has been a pretty top-heavy conference in, in recent history and, and also longer-term history. Um, obviously, one of the schools that has benefited from that left recently with, with St. Alaska. But, um, you know, you want to see the schools that are not expected to be there to be there. You want to see that competition. Mm-hmm. It's better for everybody. It's good for UWS, even if it ends up being a short-term negative for them. Um, and obviously it's good for the folks at, at Northwestern who are actually playing or fans of the team or, or invested in the program in some way. So um, really, really great to see them finding individuals that they can build around um, at both ends of the pitch and uh, really interested to see, you know, what, how do things look a couple of weeks deeper into the season? Is this going to be a consistent thing? How are they going to go in that, in that marathon against UWS? Mm. But, uh, but hey, I mean, there's no reason to think that they won't compete long-term. So, uh, yeah, definitely one to watch. That marathon is starting with a sprint later today, yeah. Dominic. Right. It's UNW and UWS in St. Paul at 4.30. So if you're watching this late morning, early afternoon, and you want to go see some high-level college soccer, uh, head over to St. Paul and watch this UNW-UWS women's soccer match. Because that's going to be pretty incredible. Um, right. Winner gets sole possession of the conference lead. So a lot of stakes. Um, it's kind of a, I don't want to call it David and Goliath because it's not. But, you know, UWS was sort of picked to not only win the conference, but pretty much run away with it. Yeah. And as right. we mentioned, UNW has sort of really, really turned the tables uh, with that with this 5-0 conference record. And that measuring stick game for them is happening today. <laughs> So yeah. that's going to be uh, a a bigger a big big match in the UMAC on the women's side. Probably the biggest, you know, aside from the Gophers in D one, I would say the biggest, you know, Minnesota college soccer match of the weekend. Probably, and and once again, if you like numbers that aren't zero, I highly suggest paying attention to this game because yeah. it has Absolutely. it basically has multiple people playing in it, uh, assuming that those players, you know, are, are healthy for the day or whatever, but mm-hmm. it basically has multiple people playing it that just like to score every game. So yeah, exactly. uh, there'll be good defenders and good goalkeepers that play as well. But yeah, if you like good attacking soccer, I imagine you're going to have a fun time watching that one. If I, if I was able to bet on this game, I'd bet the over. Just saying <laughs> that. <laughs> for sure. All right. So let's touch on a few other college soccer topics before we switch gears. Uh, also in the UMAC on the men's side, Bethany Lutheran take an early lead with a perfect 5-0 and conference record. Actually beat UW Superior. So both the men and women, UW Superior, were, were picked to you know win the conference pretty handedly or it was under the assumption that they were going to win the conference pretty handedly. But it's been not so fast on both sides. And we actually saw Beth- Bethany Lutheran come out on top of UW Superior in a head-to-head matchup to really solidify their spot at the top of the conference, big, big developments in the UMAC on the men's side as well. Yep. And, uh, uh, and so UWS is five and one. So they have a extra game played. And, and ah. so they are tied for the top, but mm-hmm. Bethany Lutheran has the advantage of already being UWS in a two, one uh, win. It went to yep. overtime. Um, so yeah, look, uh, like we were saying with, with uh, Northwestern, Northwestern's about to play a similar sort of big game against UWS. Bethany Lutheran's already done it. And, uh, you know, last year they made it to the UMAC uh, men's final 
and lost quite handedly. But during the regular season, they had a close match that UWS won in overtime. So, mm. you know, this could be a, a sign of maybe some some different momentum for Bethany Lutheran. Maybe they have a little more a little more spark to them and can actually push for some serious uh, competition. Absolutely. Something to keep an eye on for sure moving forward. Um, so we're going to switch gears here and move up to the D2 level, Med City and St. Clouds. Andres Garcia scores in his first scores his first collegiate hat trick, I should say, in a 3-1 to win over Northern Michigan. Uh, really cool to see an NPSL talent do really, really good things for St. Cloud. St. Cloud has a lot of NPSL North players on their team. Uh, Manuel Iwe and um, Zinedine Creighton from Joy Athletic, both on St. Cloud. And, of course, they're joined by Andres Garcia. Um, a lot of goals coming from St. Cloud, yeah. and that's not surprising considering the talent that they have on their team from the uh, you know from the summer summer lower league season. Yeah, and I think in the, the, the last episode that we talked one-on-one, which I've I think it was two weeks ago i think is when we talked about Ewe, and mm-hmm. and yeah you know garcia here doing similar impact on the team getting uh his first uh, collegiate hat trick was obviously very impressive in any situation um and yeah just an, a reminder that there's real connections developing between these summer teams and the collegiate system that is normally kind of the development tree for this country um mm-hmm. it's not you know sometimes summer soccer is just summer soccer and it's just people having fun and it is that too but uh you know here with with the players you just mentioned you see and certainly other teams you know city for example obviously have a lot of minneapolis city have a lot of players with collegiate connections and in the Mm -hmm. state and and duluth as well um you're seeing some real uh collaboration sort of between those sources of development for players and that that's only good for the state yep I mean, you have you have Dynamo FC, St. Cloud, and Granite City right there in St. Cloud. So that's obviously a player pool to pick from. You're obviously they're getting guys from Rochester and here in the cities as well. So I mean, this is their first year in D2, and it's gone about as well as you could expect, considering it's their first year in D2. But considering that player pool and the relationships, as you mentioned, they're already developing with some of these summer clubs. I think the sky's the limit for the Huskies, yeah. right? It's got to be. And they've clearly identified some really key talents out of out of the state, out of the folks playing in high school or summer soccer. I mean, they, they clearly have good eyes for who they need to build around, certainly in the attack. Um, mm. And a lot of these guys are, are local. You know, they are actually from Minnesota, which obviously is mm. good for the, the, the sake of Minnesotan soccer players. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's just this is what you want. You want everyone to be working together in some capacity for the benefit of 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 the players of the state. Um, and mm-hmm. and so, again, it's encouraging to not just see maybe, uh, you know, obviously Minneapolis City have have the, this philosophy of having local players on the team. And and so they have a lot of this, but you want to see all the teams have a certain amount of it. You want to yeah. see all the bubbles of development of play being a part of that process. So again, seeing the med cities, the joys, and then at the college level, the St. Clouds and many other schools all kind of collaborating in some sense on that is, is only good for the future of players from Minnesota. Yeah. And it's, it's cool to see not only, you know, we talk about St. Thomas a lot, the D one program, but now you have a D two program in St. Cloud, like options, finally some in-state options for some of these quality players 
right? They don't have to go to Fargo or Grand Forks. They don't have to go to UW-Milwaukee, you know, or, or you know, so, somewhere like that. Like, they can stay in state. And whether it's at the D1 level or the D2 level, they can play. They, they, can, they can get a scholarship and they can play soccer and stay in state if they want. And that's right. the, just to have that option is so huge. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we talked about this before, uh, you know, I, one, one issue that does happen with many states in the United States and so in Minnesota at certain points is um, the lack of all the rings on the ladder, all the reins on the ladder being present. And you can have states where they'll have like a professional soccer, an MLS team, but then they'll have like no D1 schools or something, you know, and these Minnesota. weird situations where, it, <laughs> yeah, where it doesn't really make any sense, you know, e- even yeah. from the perspective of the U.S.'s different philosophy of development and of, of tiers compared to other countries, it still doesn't really make sense. And uh, yeah, so seeing that develop better at the D1, D2, and, and D3 level, uh, while of course having been a professional team, um, it, it's, it made a smoother pipeline, it made a more functional pipeline, and uh, that there's there's really nothing to complain about. <laughs> so No, not at all. A lot of good things happening, really, really, uh, really exciting stuff. Um, also in the D2 level on the women's side in the NSIC, Bemidji State uh, surrenders a conference lead to uh, Minot State. Um, after the Beavers drew UM Morris to sort of break their uh, break their winning streak, uh, that was two to two back on the 24th of September, and just that one little hiccup uh, gave Minot State to sort of overtake them for the conference lead. Uh, Sarah Went, who was leading D2 in goals a couple of weeks ago, she's now tied for second nationally, only tied for second, right? Uh, but she's still having a heck of a year. Uh, Eleven goals on the season for her, so. Um, doing great things though over there at Bemidji, but it is my not state with that NSIC conference lead. Uh, as we kind of I believe there's eight matches left in that season, so we're not you know coming to stretch by any means, but you know, we are kind of past the halfway point and are kind of looking at uh, you know, things sort of starting to take shape, yeah. And you know, look, we, we talked the last time about you know how the NSIC is a tough conference, like it's not one that you're going to be able to sail through um we're seeing that but at the same time it's nowhere near the size of hiccup that would make me concerned that you know there's anything horrible coming i think this is still a a program with a lot of ambition a lot of good players like you said with went and uh i I think they'll still push along for a strong season their next game uh sorry where i live but their next game is against umd who's had a really really rough year uh i imagine they'll win that game um so you know i wouldn't be surprised if in a week or so they're kind of back on the way and they're they're good to go all right last topic of the show we're hitting stoppage time here um minnesota women's soccer uh the uslw league team uh ready to take the field in 2022 they uh are starting to kind of continue the process of whittling down potential team names now we have let's see what's the list down to now one two three four five six we have 14 names here um dom and i are going to give you our top five of these names that we uh that we like and we probably knowing our personalities we probably will have very different opinions on this matter so uh and we know this is this is the content you're here for the the drafts the top fives you know this is what you live for when you tune into 10k and we're sorry we made you wait until the last topic to do it but uh dom 
if you would like to go first, you'll do your number five. Yeah. I'll do my number five, and we'll alternate until we get to one. We're gonna make we're gonna really, really make the people wait for our, for our top one. So, okay. if you have your list hmm. ready, your mental list in your mind, because I know neither of us took notes on this before <laughs> we started, uh, give, go ahead and give me your number five in terms of your top uh, your top names for the top potential name, I guess, for Minnesota women's soccer. Okay. Um... I'm going to give five to Roaring Minnesota. Um, okay. My brief explanation will just be that uh, it, has a, it has some, like, I feel like there's easy branding potential with that. Also, it kind of works along with, like, the wilderness aspect of the state. It kind of works along with, like, the wild, Minnesota wild. Like, the, there's some themes existing in the state in sports kind of revolving around that. And it also just works, like, in sort of a more global, like, um, football team, soccer team, naming convention of like sporting and like those sorts of names it has a certain ring to it um, that mm-hmm. the rest of the the options don't. That I just think is unique. I like it. All right, for my number five, because of the alliteration, I'm going Minnesota Myriad. I think it just it's one of those because of the alliteration, just sort of rolls off the tongue. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of cool uh, potential logos. Like like I said a couple weeks ago, I don't want them to get rid of their current logo. Uh, but if they're coming up with a new name, they're probably going to have a new logo. But I think Myriad gives you a lot of cool potential logo designs as well, um, just from a branding standpoint. But it's also just a cool name, Myriad. And it's unique. Like what other professional sports team uses the name Myriad? They don't, right? So right. I like it. Yeah, nice. Um, for four... I will go with Aurora. Um, again, it has like one. it is a popular one. Um, has like uh, like pretty simple, you know, straightforward. Like people understand quickly. You don't have to worry about people being confused by it. Um, it comes again, I think, with some pretty uh, straightforward like branding potential, but and, and also like graphic design potential with with kits or or with the logo. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's some clear visual inspiration that can go behind that um that i imagine will come off very well uh and yeah i don't know it just sounds kind of nice i have one problem with minnesota aurora okay it's it's kind of tough to say when this you put true. the two together minnesota aurora like i, I my my mouth has to like work to if you say it really, too fast it sounds really like a harry potter spell so i'm thinking about like broadcasters <laughs> right like trying to like and yeah. are they, it's an Aurora, you know, like it's like yeah. it doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue that well. So I don't know. That's but fair. I do think it's a really unique name. I understand why it's popular, but it's just for me, it's it's tough to say. And I have a I have I think I have a pretty good speaking voice. I think I I say words well. Uh, so if, if I'm having a hard time saying Minnesota Aurora, there will probably be a few other broadcasters who have that same problem. But I do I do agree with you on the kind of the positive points. I won't be heartbroken if it is and does end up being Minnesota Aurora. Um, my number four is Minnesota Whitetails. I don't know why. I just kind of like it. Like I, I think again, it kind of it, it gives you like a, a mascot right away, too. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy from that standpoint kind of you know the logo sort of writes itself or, or draws itself or you know designs itself um it's again i think it does kind of roll off the tongue it's unique um uh i think it does kind of have that like kind of like minnesota wisconsin yin and yang with the milwaukee bucks minnesota whitetails i don't know to me there's something there 
Uh, so I don't know. I, I like I'm just Minnesota Whitetail. It's yeah. my number four. I think I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna combine a response to that with my explanation because I actually think Whitetails would be my three. I for all the okay. reasons that you said as well. I like it. Like it's very approachable. Again, like I I don't think it's gonna be too difficult to build around that as a name. The one thing that came, this isn't even really a negative, but we're kind of being picky here. Um, the one thing that came to mind for me is it's a little, it's it's quite similar to the Minnesota Whitecaps who are the women's hockey team. True. And, just, and look, I'm sure it would be fine. But if we're going to be really breaking it down, maybe from a branding standpoint, it's a little dangerous to name yourself like three, four letters different from another team in the state, a pro team in the state. May, you know, that's that's me looking for things to say on on a podcast. But mm-hmm. otherwise, other than that point, yeah, I agree. I can think you can think of a lot of ways that you could visualize that idea. It, and then it's very easy to say um, mm-hmm. you can just create images in your head, really, as a fan without yeah. even seeing anything. So, yeah, I, I, I like it. All right. My number three is Arctic, Minnesota. I like this a lot. Uh, I like a lot of these names. So if there were less quality names across the board, this would probably be my number one. Uh, but it's just, it, it's, it's, it's on the nose. Like as our chief good vibes officer, Ethan Brandt, probably, he's probably thinks it's too on the nose. He uses that term a lot. Uh, but at the same time, it's like provides an intimidation factor, but also like, the home field like i just push like welcome to the arctic you know like like this is a fortress like you're gonna we're gonna make you freeze to death you know like that sort of thing like i don't know <laughs> i just think it's like there's a lot of cool again kind of sort of a lot of the other names that we talked about already it's a cool branding identity things that can come from that it's very on the nose yes it's cold as hell here in minnesota but I do think that it's it's sort of super on brand with Minnesota, um, and I I, just, I like it a lot. Yeah, I like. And it's not good. like something corny, like the Minnesota freeze, you know, or like something like that. Right. Like Arctic Minnesota still is has some like artistic value to it that I think you want to have mm-hmm. if you're kind of a soccer club. So um, for all those reasons, that's fine. It, it's just two. outside of the bubble of things that sound too much like the name of an indoor soccer team. <laughs> Yes. Which are now, if it was the way around the Minnesota Arctic, then that would be yeah, more like an indoor soccer or football team. But the fact that the it's Arctic line. Minnesota, yeah, yeah. Um, my second, I'm on my second one, right? Yeah, you're on number two. You're, you're the third. Okay, I just want to make sure I have the right. Um, my second is going to be uh, Iron Minnesota, partially because. They did when they posted like their little explanation blurbs. They did mention that this one was referring to the Iron Range, which of course is um, just north of Duluth. It's in the same county, etc. So it's kind of the same part of the state. Um, just to, well, one I think again, there's some branding possibilities with it, albeit some of them would probably end up sounding a little bit like West Ham PR, um, but with you know, bring on the iron and whatever that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's, again, I just think there's a lot of like visuals you could pair with it. It has a real genuine state connection. Um, mm-hmm. you, there's ways to make that name into something threatening. There's ways to make it into something that feels kind of like homely and like community kind of based. 
Um, mm. I think it just brings a lot of options, a lot of variability. And uh, and again, I, I think it's fun that there was something on this list that had like a connection to this part of the state. Yeah, I think that uh, I really like that one as well. Uh, my number two is Minnesota Red Pines. Um, it's simple. Uh, it it seems like it's it's on brand with the state, but it's not something that when you think of like, okay, we're going to name a Minnesota th- uh, team. Here are the things that are unique about Minnesota that we want to try to hit on. Like Red Pines isn't necessarily one of the first things that comes to mind, but when you hear it, it makes total sense. Um, and to me, like, I, I know I like simple things. I like simplicity. Um, I like, I like knowing what I'm like, many questions, I guess. So, so um, that, that's, and I don't know, it's, I, I picture like a tweet or like a, you know, a, a you know, Red Pines two, Greenville one or something like that. Like we're automatically cooler than so-and-so SC or so, you know, I don't know. I just think I, I like Red Pines a lot. Nice. Um, hmm. I was tempted to change my one just to keep variation, but I'm I'm going to be truthful because our our listeners deserve the truth. Um, I think my one is Arctic, uh, and it was I, I already liked it before, but you know, hearing you talk about it more kind of reinforced it. Um, I'll, I'll try I hyped to believe it up. What you said you hyped it up. A good job. I'm a victim of the hype, but uh, yeah, look, I I like. Obviously, again, it has, you know, like straightforward regional connection. Like, it's not confusing, but I there's like a lot of good ways to use it. There's a lot of good ways to 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 uh, interpret it both. And, you know, you almost like with what I was saying with iron, where like you could use like that celebration of the fact that it's snowy and cold here in a way that kind of could be more like community focused and like homely and like positive but then like you were kind of saying you could also very easily change it to like this dangerous you know competitive idea of like welcome to the arctic and like it's dangerous you know like we have this special Mm -hmm. place that we're in and we're strong because we're from it and those sorts of things yeah and it's it's broad like obviously arctic is a it's a pretty broadly like translatable word but Unlike some of the other words options, like vortex, for example, it doesn't feel too wide to just kind of become miscellaneous. It feels narrow enough that you like it's very direct, um, mm. but but still could be interpreted in a lot of ways. So yeah, I I like it. and I can just imagine a lot of like cool like badges and like imagery with like snow mm. and mountains and like whatever blizzards and ice and whatever. So yeah, yeah. All right. And mine, uh, you know, it's not going to have much variation uh, similar to your number one. My number one's Iron Minnesota. Um, and I I was going back and forth, honestly. I know I had Red Pine in Arctic 3, but for some reason, I, I always had Red Pine set at 2, and I was going back and forth between Iron and Arctic for 1. I don't know why <laughs> one was going to be 3 and one was going to be 1. It's like the top 2, but that's just kind of how my brain works. But um, the reason why I picked Iron Minnesota, and it's kind of stupid, but like I'm picturing the announcement video, like oh, yeah. Game of Thrones esque. Somebody's like in a in a shop sharpening a sword, you know, <laughs> and some like iron yeah. sharpens iron or something, you know, something like that. And then you know, like they they come out and they're like into battle, you know. And it's like that yeah. seems like super cool. 
Yeah, me. for sure. Uh, so I don't know. I just thinking of that and I kind of got like goosebumps and it gave me, you know, Game of Thrones vibes. And so I kind of had to, had to run with that one, but yeah, I, and, and like you said, it does, it calls to like the iron range and is specific to Minnesota and kind of has that pride factor to it and is not something that's just, you know, kind of within the cities, but is really, really, um, you know, specific to, you know, elsewhere in minnesota the rural more rural portions of minnesota kind of the the whole state in general like bringing all the state together right, right. um for all of those reasons there's a lot of reasons but um i'm picking iron minnesota for mine all right so uh Dominic, do you remember your top five to run through them quickly real quick oh okay <laughs> um i had roaring and then i had aurora whitetails Iron Arctic, I believe. And my top five were uh, Myriad, then Whitetails at four, Arctic at three, Red Pines at two, Iron at one. Those are our top five Minnesota soccer team name options as far as number ones go. Uh, Dominic is going with Arctic, Minnesota. I am going with Iron, Minnesota. Um, We'll put this out on our uh, on our twitter account you can kind of give us your top five top three top one if you want um after this ep- this episode drops so be on the lookout for that uh but yeah that's gonna that's gonna be how we uh end ten thousand pitches this week dom any parting words for the fine people out there um oh hey i'll, I'll just hit a quick note that that, I, that we had top up before the show just on, on those names just something interesting to look at because we're a conspiracy podcast now about minnesota Woso. uh you know, I think it's interesting that that they are keeping room in their potential names for, like we were talking about, the whole state of Minnesota. That's not really the idea of representing the entirety of your state or your region is not really a common thing in amateur sports. It's much more a professional mm-hmm. thing. You know, professional sports teams typically, let's say, in the capital or the other biggest city in their state, usually kind of named after the whole deal, um, including in Minnesota. Uh, whereas obviously at the amateur level, you have the, the St. Paul Saints or the Minneapolis cities or the Duluth FCs or the Dakota Fusion, whatever. Um, so I think it's interesting that, uh, that they're going that angle. And, uh, you know, part of me wants to say that's like some sort of sign they're going to be a pro team. That's obviously yeah. just me. sort of patting ourselves on the back. Yeah. That our, our predicted yeah. reality. Uh, and it might not be that at all. It might not be that at all, but that's really beside the point. The, the, because you know, who knows? The the point more is, I think it's just an interesting thing in general from a branding perspective that they're open to that as a, as a, uh, as an identity, regardless Mm -hmm. of what level they end up playing at. I think that's going to be something very different than what most people go for at this level. So that's something interesting to watch as it develops. Very cool. All right, Dom, thank you so much again for uh, bearing with me for another episode of 10,000 Pitches. Thank you to everybody for listening. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't, and interact with us on Twitter, Instagram, at 10K Pitches. For Dominic Jose Bazonio, also big shout-out to our Cheap Good Vibes officer, Ethan Brandt, for all the work he does behind the scenes. I'm Jeremy Rushing. We'll catch you next week for another episode of 10K. Have a great weekend, guys.